Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It's kind of like the unrighteous, the wicked, they try to make up for their wickedness, their unrighteousness. And so they want to give or offer a, uh, an offering or some kind of a sacrifice to sort of make up for what they know they did. And what God is saying is, don't bother. That's an abomination. You're trying to overcompensate for your wickedness, your unrighteousness. I don't accept it. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Have you ever said something you regretted, so you try to make up for it by being extra sweet? Pastor J.D. teaches us today that the wicked will do their best to overcompensate for their evil deeds. But there's nothing outside of God's grace that can save us. Own up to your mistakes and humbly ask for forgiveness. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 15 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, verse 1, let's dive in. Chapter 15. We're going to start right out of the shoe with a biggie. Uh, this is one that we quote often in our parenting. <laughs> a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This is again going to be uh, something we're going to see throughout, have seen heretofore in the book of Proverbs, but it's one of those truths concerning how we say what we say, the tone in which we say it, the heart in which we have when we say it. I'm, I'm learning, uh, I, I won't say I have learned, I think that would be disingenuous. I'm learning, constantly learning, sometimes the hard way unfortunately, that it's not so much what I say, it's more how I say what I say. You can say something with a gentleness and a softness and a kindness, and it can change the whole complexion of that conversation. And conversely, sometimes the way we say something with a bluntness, with a harshness, it's like pouring gasoline on a fire that's already burning. I liken it to a fire, and we have this choice where we can either pour water on it and put it out. The soft answer turns away wrath, puts out the fire. Or instead of water on that fire, we can pour gasoline on it, and that just inflames it, and it just rages more and more. Verse 2, the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. I like the imagery here in verse 2. You have this idea of the wise tongue, the tongue of the wise. There's, there's caution, there's care, there's a choosing very carefully of the words that are going to be spoken. Whereas with the full, it just, it just gushes out. 
It just pours out. And what pours out of the mouth of the fool is nothing but folly. Verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Boy, this is a a two-edged sword if there ever was one, right? I mean, if you're walking uprightly in a way that is pleasing to God, and you know that God is watching you, well, praise the Lord. But on the other side of that, this can either be terrifying or exciting. And I say that because there comes those times where you think to yourself, Lord, did you see that? Yes, I did. I I see everything. I'm omniscient. I'm omnipresent. I'm everywhere, all present, all the time, in every place. So I see everything. And sometimes it's like, Lord, did you see what they did? You know, when I pray, sometimes I have to catch myself where I'm, I'm kind of like informing God, Lord, you know, last Tuesday, you know, this happened and that happened and they said or they did. And it's like the Lord's going, oh, I didn't know. Thank you so much for telling me. I, when did this happen again? Tuesday. Oh, wow. No, He knows. So now I, when I pray, it's like, Lord, I know you know what happened, because you see all, you know all, whether it's evil or righteous. Verse 4, again, more about how we say what we say. The tongue, a wholesome tongue, is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. This carries with it the idea which we've seen in the Proverbs, and we'll see yet again in our study through the Proverbs, that the tongue has the power of life and death. You can build up or you can tear down. You can speak life or you can speak death. That's how powerful this tongue that we have is. I think about what James says about the tongue. We can control large ocean liners. We can tame wild beasts, but we cannot tame this little piece of flesh that we have in our mouths. We're going to see this a little bit later. The power of the tongue to destroy, to crush and break the spirit, or conversely to bring life and speak encouragement. Verse 5, a fool despises his father's instruction but he who receives correction is prudent. This is going to come up again, as we'll see. You'll forgive me, I just was reminded of one of my favorite Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, which we studied a, a while back, where it says that those who hate correction are stupid. No, it uses that word in the New King James version and translation. (laughs) The one who accepts correction is wise, but the one who rejects correction is stupid. And here we see the same thing said in a different way, that the one who receives correction is prudent, but it is the fool who despises it 
who rejects it. Verse 6, in the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. This is interesting. I think of it this way. When you're walking righteously in a way that is pleasing in the sight of the Lord, and you can enjoy the prosperity and the treasure that God blesses you with. But on the other side of that, with the wicked, they may gain much in the way of revenue and treasure and wealth, but it's only God that gives the ability to enjoy the riches and the treasures that are given. Verse 7, here it is again. Now we're going from the tongue to the lips. <laughs> the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. In other words, when the righteous, the wise speak, what comes out of their mouth, out of their lips, is knowledge, but not so with the fool. Verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His delight. I was thinking about this uh, tonight in anticipation and preparation for the study, and I thought of it this way, that it's kind of like the unrighteous, the wicked, they try to make up for their wickedness, their unrighteousness. And so they want to give or offer a, uh, an offering or some kind of a sacrifice to sort of make up for what they know they did. And what God is saying is, don't bother, that's an abomination. You're trying to overcompensate for your wickedness, your unrighteousness. I don't accept it. It's an abomination to me. I like the contrast here. We're again in these contrasting Proverbs where the contrast is between the righteous and the wicked, the fool and the wise. The, the fool does this, but the wise do this. The wicked do this, but the righteous do this. I like the contrast here. The one who prays, the upright one, it is a delight to the Lord. It brings delight to Him. It is so pleasing to Him. We know from the book of Revelation that our prayers are fragrant to Him. They are stored. This is hard to wrap your mind around. But think about this. Our prayers, every single prayer we've ever prayed and will yet pray, are in these bowls in heaven before the throne as a fragrance before the Lord. What must prayer be that God would want to have those prayers before Him? What delight it brings to Him. How pleasing it is to Him. Verse 9, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but notice it doesn't say the wicked are an abomination. No. The way of the wicked, the path of the wicked. And think of it this way, through the lens of a loving heavenly Father. In other words, what's the why behind the what of this? So the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Why? Because the way of the wicked is such that they will suffer 
the unthinkable consequences of their wickedness and their unrighteousness. And a loving Heavenly Father watches this and it grieves His heart. It's been said that sin is not bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. In other words, it's not a thing where God says, Thou shalt not because I'm God and I said so. No. It's more like this. Thou shalt not because I love you so much and I don't want you to have to experience and suffer the consequences that always ensue. I think about the Ten Commandments as one appropriately referred to them as the tender commandments. It's the tender loving heart of a heavenly Father who loves us so much and says, don't commit adultery because of what committing adultery is going to do to you. Yes, it is a transgression, it is an abomination, but I have your best interests at heart. Thou shalt not murder, not kill. Murder is actually the, the correct word and translated in the original. Thou shalt not commit murder. Why? Because you will be haunted all of your life because of that murder that you committed. Thou shalt not covet. How about that one? Why? Because it will eat your lunch. That's for lack of a better way of saying it. Covetousness and envy will just, I mean from within you, destroy you. And I don't want you to be destroyed, so I'm trying to protect you and direct you and warn you and command you to not do that. Do not go in that way. The way of the wicked is an abomination. But, here's the contrast, thank God for the contrast. He loves him who follows righteousness. The one who chooses the path, and it is our choice, and God will never force us. He gives us free will to choose Him, to choose the path of righteousness, not the path of wickedness. Verse 10, here it is again. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Wow! One of the things that I have always tried to teach my daughter is that disobedience can be a matter of life and death. Disobedience can actually cost you your life. So we provide correction. God provides this correction, and we have a choice now. Are we going to despise it, reject it? I think about what the writer of Hebrews says, don't despise the Lord's chastening, His correction, His discipline. Why? He chastises and disciplines and spanks, dare I say, those whom He loves. In fact, that's how we know that we are His children. I mean, as parents, you're not going to spank somebody else's children, right? You better not. <laughs> you're going to have a lot of problems if you do. 
but you're going to discipline your own children. Despising the Lord's discipline, hating correction, it can be so costly, so much so, that it can cost you your life. Verse 11, hell and destruction are before the Lord. So how much more the hearts of the sons of men. In other words, God is all-seeing, God is all-knowing, God is all-present, God is all-powerful, and God knows the heart of every man. We don't know our own hearts. Jeremiah tells us this. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked. (laughs) It's beyond repair. We don't even know our own hearts, but God knows our heart. I think about when David was anointed to be king of Israel, to succeed Saul. And here comes Samuel to the house of Jesse, and he has his brothers lined up. David's not even in the lineup. And to their shock, even Samuel's shock, it was not Eliab, the firstborn son, which was the heir apparent, if you will. And when Samuel realized that not one of these sons of Jesse was to be anointed king of Israel. He actually asks Jesse, he says, are you sure that, I mean, do you have any more sons? Well, as a matter of fact, I do, but he's out tending the sheep. And Samuel almost becomes uh, somewhat indignant. He's like, we will not sit or rest until you go get him and bring him here. And sure enough, here comes David the young. Some believe he was in his early teens, perhaps 13, 14 years old, comes in all smelly, hair disheveled. We're told he was handsome and ruddy. Comes in, and here's Samuel, and he anoints him king of Israel. And he inquires of the Lord, and they're all just baffled and dumbfounded. And the Lord's response was, man, looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And this was David who had a heart after God's own heart. I I just, I always imagine in my mind's eye, I always like to put myself in the scene, in the text, if I was there, and just kind of witnessing the look on his brother's faces when Samuel anointed their youngest brother, David, to be king. I'm convinced that there was bitterness and resentment on the part of Eliab, the oldest, the firstborn. And (laughs) when David uh, is sent by his dad to check on his brothers in the battlefield, there when Goliath was challenging and blaspheming God, and here David shows up, And the first thing out of Eliab's mouth is, what are you doing here? Go go home. What what are you doing here, you little runt? You're not supposed to be, this is for men. (laughs) I find it kind of ironic that here's Eliab, and I mean, he has for 40 days and 40 nights been listening to this uncircumcised Philistine blaspheme the name of their God. And he's this is this is a man's job. Well, you're you're not manning up. What what have you done? Let me at him. And here's David 
send a man to do a man's job, or what's that saying? You got to send a kid to do a man's job, because only one time he hears this uncircumcised Philistine. He, by the way, and we, we've talked about this in our study through the Bible, but never once does David ever refer to Goliath by his name. And there's a reason for that. The the name Goliath meant champion. He never refers to him. He always calls him what he really was, an uncircumcised Philistine. And God used this young man who had a heart after his own heart. Verse 12. Here it is again. I mean, I don't know how many more times we're going to read this, but a scoffer does not love one who corrects him. I'm going to unfriend you. Uh, how do I say it? Well, we're going to see it in the Proverbs, but maybe it's, it's good to at least just touch on it briefly here. You know, initially we might despise it and resent it when somebody tells us the truth. And the wounds of a friend are faithful, right? But when somebody speaks truth into our lives, it's because they love us and they care about us, and they want to help us for our own good. And then we don't, we don't receive it, and we get upset with them. But the enemy multiplies kisses. In other words, uh, somebody who doesn't love you will only tell you what you want to hear, but not what you need to hear. If you really love me, even though it might hurt me and wound me, you're correcting me, you're rebuking me, it's because you love me. Yes, it might wound me, but I know it's because you love me. See, our refusal, our unwillingness to speak the truth, even though we know that they may not like it, and they certainly may not like us for saying it. It's this self-love that says, I don't want to tell you that because I want you to like me. I won't tell you that because if I tell you that, you won't like me. You'll unfriend me. <laughs> the scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. I'm learning, again, I'm not going to say I've learned, I'm learning, <laughs> present tense, in my life that if somebody really cares about me, I need to receive what they say to me, even though it might really rub me the wrong way. Proverbs is a book of action. The sage life applications written in its pages not only give you something to think about, but they inspire you to act upon what you've read. As you continue to study this book with Pastor J.D., approach each nugget of wisdom prayerfully, asking God to show you how you can incorporate it into your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word. We'd be honored to be praying for you during this study. Would you let us know how we could be doing that for you? You can connect with us by visiting our website, in spiritandtruthradio.com and clicking on contact under the about tab. We'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter. and You're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor JD's teachings are also available on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. Are you part of a church? 
we want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area if you haven't already. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor J.D.'s teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. It can help you start a conversation with someone you love. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth.